Kili Shuateka Kiviti Hashem. Hakadosh Paruku, please send Mashiach now. Well, I'd like to welcome you back. We are still in Akari Mokadoshim. This Parsha uh, podcast is going to be mostly about Kadoshim because how are you going to have the greatest commandment in this double door portion? Like, we're going to launch out with Yom Kippur and then we're going to transition all the way over into the greatest commandment, which is like the first one love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now we're going to talk about loving your neighbors you love yourself. I mean, this tour portion just ridiculously packed. And I, again, I just love sticking to the title after the death, holy ones. So like when we look at how do you get to the greatest commandment, it's predicated on have you died to yourself? Because in order for you to truly love Hashem, which would be loving others because the image of Hashem is other human beings. We were literally all made in Hashem's image. And though that it's a fallen image now, it's got to be redeemed, which it has been. So we have to walk in the rectification of that through the Mashiach, which is the Torah. So literally when we're looking at fellow Jews, we're looking at the image of Hashem, namely the redeemed image of Hashem. And when we're looking at people who aren't in Torah, we're looking at the fallen image of Hashem, which we should desire to redeem. So there's really not any space to say, oh, I can't stand that person. Da, 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 da. It's like this is a facet of a shim. And the reason you can't stand that person, by the way, is because there's something going on inside of us. Yep, because I have input into frustrations and angers that I have with other people. The reason I'm bothered by certain things that they do or certain actions that they've uh, done against me is because there's something going on inside my own heart. So if we're frustrated with other people, that's because something's going on with us. And your sin and my sin compound into someone else that you're frustrated with. So for instance, you got person A, person B. Okay, person A has some sin and person B has some sin. So now when person A interacts with person C, well, the sin that's been combined of person A and B is now in person C. So now A and C are just upset with each other. And it's like, well, it's A and B. It's both of their fault. Because such is the way Hashem has linked us all up as mankind is that the only reason we're mad at each other is because we're not taking care of our own business. Hence why we should not be angry and sin. Hence why we should not be people who are arrogant. So, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that's interesting. Because I'm going to go ahead and just jump right off my script. Because I have the Shomer Blue over here, which is the Midrash Mishle. Oh, Sleeka throwing stuff I can't remember how I tabbed it but I believe it's 2521 oh look at that Mishle 2521 says if your foe is hungry feed him bread if he is thirsty give him water to drink the plain meaning is that a person should be kind to others friend and foe alike. See Shemot 3 or 23 verses 4 and 5. Not bear grudges. Mm. And it goes on to say, however, the sages identify the foe as the Yetzirah, which is an implacable, in, in, implacable, yeah, implacable enemy. The Yetahara is always ravenous for sin. The solution is to feed it with bread and water of Torah study. Avot de Rabbi Nasan 16.3 The word Lechem, which is bread, is related to the word Milkama, which is war. The battle of Torah discussion. 
So the Torah is bread. It's all about the battle of discussion. This is why when you're studying Torah, don't be so quick to get upset. Don't be so quick to go, oh, no, you're wrong. That's not right. Let's go. Okay. We're at, we're at war here because we're discussing. And if you can discuss Torah for the sake of Shemaim, obviously there's things that are actually wrong. Like you can't just go, well, the Torah says go kill people. Uh, if the Torah says to go kill people, then, okay, let's source that out. Let's work through it. Okay, so we're supposed to kill people who are trying to kill us. Okay, I got that. We're supposed to kill uh, the seven nations that are in the land of Israel. Okay, I get that. But it doesn't say that you just go in there and kill them. Because if you read the Old Torah, it says go in there and actually preach shalom to them first. Parsha Shoftim. If you actually read the Torah portion of Shoftim and Devarim and Deuteronomy, it actually says that before you wage war on a city, you're actually supposed to go preach shalom to it and give the enemy a chance of escape. So therefore, if you're actually going in and you're killing those people in the city, well, that is only because they did not accept the message of shalom and they also chose to stay and fight and not leave. So, in other words, these are people who are like, they're very just like, uh, we don't want, we don't want that, uh, we don't want the kingdom of Hashem to be established, you know, and people who don't want life in the world and only want to exist to bring darkness because that's what these nations did. That's why Hashem said, by the way, Hashem said the land is spewing these people out. Because their sin and their wickedness has reached such a measure. Hashem was like, they're done. Get them out of here. And guess what? The same thing happened to us because our sin reached a measure of evil and wickedness. And Hashem said, you know what? Get out. So we got killed. We killed people. And it was like, why is all the death happening? Well, because... There's this whole aspect of wiping out light, taking away the kingdom of God, establishing the kingdom of Satan and darkness in the world. That That's a no-go, especially in the land of Israel. And furthermore, we're not supposed to go into other people's lands and take their stuff and kill them. The only people that we had the authority to do this to was the, the nations of Canaan, that were in the, the land bringing darkness into the world. And Hashem was like, no, they're throwing the world into chaos. Let's let's stop this. This has got to go. But anyway, so uh, such is the, the way of discussion and uh, rabbit trails and, and things like that, that we have to really, you know, be mindful and think these things through. Uh, you know. I was uh, in a con I'm in conversations, you know, and sometimes people believe in Yeshua. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're Torah observant. Sometimes they're not. But as opposed to getting hung up on those details, it's like, OK, let's let's source out some things, because if you're not Torah observant, you don't want to be. You know, where are you actually coming from? Before I can just get all up in your grill and be like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Which, by the way, I don't. I mean, I can't. I have no right to do that. Because, again, I used to be not Torah observant before. So, I cannot forget where I came from. I think it's sad and unfortunate if people think you shouldn't be observant. But, I can't be like, listen, what's wrong with you? Slap, slap. Do the Torah. That's not right. But, I can see, hey, where, where are you coming from on this? Where Where is your heart, you know? And, and, again, it's not my job to make them be Torah observant. My job is to give out the information. Hashem does the same thing with us, by the way. Hashem's like, listen, I said before you life and death, choose. I think you should choose life, but, you know, death is open if you want it. So anyway, Torah discussion. Torah literally is milkama, war. A war of discussion. A battle. It says water is a commonly used metaphor for Torah. So you will be scooping coals to heap onto his head and Hashem will reward you. When a person gives food to his foe and food 
When a person gives his foe food and drink, the enemy feels ashamed and he considers how evil is being repaid with good. When acting so generously, one should intend solely to induce his antagonist to regret his misdeeds and stop doing them. That's from the B'nai Shlomo. Says since since such kindness is benefit is to benefit to his antagonist, Hashem will reward him, although he appears to be seeking to embarrass his foe. So you get rewarded for. I mean, it on the surface it's embarrassing your enemy because you're you're repaying evil for good, and that causes a person to feel ashamed. It's like, why are you helping me? I was trying to, I was trying to hurt you. It's like, I know what you meant for evil. God is meaning for good. So here you go. Hashem is going to reward you for that. And, you know, Kepha actually talks about that in one of his letters about, you know, being rewarded for good. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Hmm. Stand by, I gotta learn how to type. Yeah, first Kepha three fourteen. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Because there's this whole thing. Where, you know, yeah, if you were unjustly accused for, or no, 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 go back. So you did something good and you got something good back. You did something good and you got something evil back. Okay, now we're talking. Because if you can suffer for what is right, you're blessed. So he goes here, he says... Going back to verse 8. This is again, First Kepha. He says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love as brothers. Like our Parashat Kedoshim. Be tender-hearted and humble. I.e. Like, be very, very careful with each other. Treat each other like fine china. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but, but, but with blessing. Someone gets on your nerves. Someone is, oh, I can't stand you. Oh boy. You just done, you done done it now. When that, when that kind of thing happens, he says, bless because to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceitful speech. Oh, he quoting Tehillim now. He says, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I.e., if you're doing all this stuff, Hashem's eyes are on you. He says, and his ears are inclined to their prayer. So you want some answered prayers? Okay, well, come on, get after it. Seek shalom, pursue it. Turn from evil. Do good. Remove deceitful speech from your lips. Keep your tongue from evil. And he says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who can harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be shaken. But in your hearts, sanctify Mashiach. Sanctify the Torah. I.e. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Like bring in the holiness of Torah. Kadosh, you sanctify, consecrate it. Always be prepared to give a defense to anyone or to everyone who asks you the reason that you have the hope you have. Respond with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who slander you will be put to shame by your good behavior in the Torah, Mashiach. I know it says in Mashiach, but we got to understand Mashiach is literally the Torah. It says, 
For it is better if it for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Why? For Mashiach also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to Hashem. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and preached to the prison, the preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now, I'm quoting Zuska Saul again, because this guy uh, was talking about this with uh, these fallen Nephilim and about the patience of God. And let's see where exactly it is. Yeah, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, Bereshit 6.4. And this is a drop really from uh, Akari Mote that he was commenting on. Says the... Hmm. Talking about the fallen angels, so there are two particular ones, Uzzah and El... Uh, Uzzah and Azael. It says that uh, there's fierce strength, which derives from Ez or Goat or Oz being strong. He's bringing down to Rabbi Yishmael, which, by the way, Rabbi Yishmael is from. Where are you from? Yeah, Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha, often known as Rabbi Yishmael and sometimes given the title Baal Habareta, was a rabbi of the first and second centuries, third generation of Tanaim. So he's sourcing out from him. So yeah, fierce and might, and then um, coming from the word Azael, so, so Uzzah is fierce and strength, and then Azael coming from the mighty is strong. And it says, but according to Rabbi Yishmael, it comes from Azal, which means to go away because he never repented of his sin. So the whole point there being the fact that Hashem was patiently waiting for those during the days of Noah to repent. And mainly those were the fallen angels. These two who populated with the, the daughters of men, which was Cain, by the way. And um, they created a bunch of uh, havoc and chaos in the world. So anyway, says in in the ark of few people, only eight souls were saved through water. This water symbolizes the mikvah that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards Hashem through the resurrection of Mashiach, the resurrection of the Torah who has gone into Shemaim and is at the right hand of Hashem with angels and authorities and powers subject to him. So yeah, we're supposed to suffer for doing good and we're supposed to actually do good to our uh, our enemies even. So there's that. Back to the Mishle over here. The Vilna Gaon comment, the Mishle, I, I think I said Mishnah, but I meant to say Mishle. Back to the Mishle over here. The Vilna Gaon comments that even if a person does not learn Torah for its own sake, but for ulterior motives, he still pours coals on his evil inclination. E e eventually, his motives will become pure. Pesachim 50b. So that's Mishle 25, 21 through 22. And obviously that goes with Luke 10. 25 to 37 about the good Samaritan who's my neighbor and Romans 12 20 verse 21 talking about overcoming evil with good i.e. lighting up the darkness just did a podcast on that hopefully you got a chance to check that out I got to team up with Ish Pela Shlita on that 
So that was cool. All right. So when we're looking at this parasha of Kedoshim, I mean, this is a this is a huge deal because this is called the code of holiness. And the the whole entire Torah is actually found in Kedoshim. So Bezrat Hashem, I'll get get be able to bring you some sources on that because uh, Midrash Rabbah brings it down and Zohar brings it down. So I'm trying to pace myself because I uh, I just went crazy compiling insights. So let's uh, let the Gatlet gun begin. Here we go. Midrash Rabbah says Rabbi Akiva brings down the cardinal principle of the Torah is love your neighbor, love your fellow as you love yourself. Vayikra 19.18 Shabbat 31a A Gentile came before Shammai and said to him, I wish to convert to Judaism. I stopped right there because Bezrat Hashem, we have a lot of people that wish to convert to Judaism. And apparently today there's this thing of not really wanting to make converts and it's just kind of like, what's the dealio? But anyway... Shammai over here said, you know, okay. He drove him away with the builder's cubit, which was in his hand. So the, the Goy, I want to convert to Judaism on the condition you teach me the Torah while on one foot. Okay, so first of all, the person wants to convert. person has a condition up on the one they want to convert. We just read about even if you do the Torah, not for its own sake, in the end, you will come to do it for its own sake. So just go ahead and convert him because if he's truly converting, it'll, it'll work. It'll come out. You know, he'll come out, you foul spirit. If you believe it, say amen kind of thing that that will happen. The Torah is the ultimate uh, remover of demon possession and demon possession being rebellion. But anyway. If you listen to the second reading of the Aliyah Day from Rabbi Griffin Shlita, you'll see how rebellion and demonic worship and demon possession and all that kind of stuff goes hand in hand. Kind of disturbing because you're like, it's just a little rebellion. And it's like, that's cool. It's just a little demonic activity. Back to Shabbat 31a, though, it says, So when this Gentile came before Hillel, house of Rab, or the uh, Rabbi Akiva comes from him, and also Rabbi Shimeon Bar Yochai comes from him, because they're all, that's the chain there. It says, uh, Rab Hillel said to him, What is hateful to you, do not to your neighbor. Don't do that to your neighbor, basically. This is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary. Go and learn it. So there you go. So you want to convert to Judaism? All right. What's hateful to you, don't do to your neighbor. And uh, this is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary. Go learn it. So if you start there, that's the beginning of your conversion, by the way, that you're entered into Torah. Because something happened to get you to enter into Torah. Now, everything is just a process of working itself out. So this is kind of something that's been interesting as far as the formal conversion that we have, you know, especially at Sar Shalom, that many of our members haven't gone through the formal process. It's like, well, we got to do the three classes. Then we got to have a meeting with the Beit Dean. And then, you know, if you're a guy, you have to be circumcised. And then everybody needs to go through the mikvah, which, by the way... Coming soon, so Bezrat Hashem, that mix was ready very, very soon. But anyway, and there are people who've mikvahed before already, but that haven't been immersed in this mikvah. So obviously, we're going to have a little DJ Rewind Net Back uh, action going on where we're going to bring it back and get back in the mikvah. So, but regardless, are you a person who is fulfilling the entire Torah by? Loving your neighbor as you love yourself and that fulfilling the entire tour by doing so and the rest being commentary because until all those other steps can work themselves out, you're already walking in the essence of conversion. 
So everything else is just really a matter of bringing about the uh, the outward expressions. So you think about this, right? So you can be, uh, you know, like there's the man and the woman, right? So they can go and meet, you know, obviously chaperone, no touching and all that. They they experience, you know, time with each other, conversation, you know, talk about life and, and everything and figure out, you know, do they want to do they want to enter into Kiddushin with each other? So they get engaged. So when they're engaged, they're not going to be with anybody else. No more dates, no more focusing on other people. And then they go through their their personal Yom Kippur and then they enter in underneath the hoopah and then they're they're married together and you know okay so the conversion process is a lot like that because ultimately as a Jew we're preparing ourselves to get ready to be married to Hashem Rabbi Tonka Truck Shlita brings down that's Rabbi Trugman brings down that when you uh when when the time in the time to come the Jews will no longer relate to Hashem as Lord or Master, but we will relate to Hashem as husband. And he cites a verse from Hosea. So that's in his commentaries on uh Tazria Medzor. So that's something to think about. And one of the things that's so cool about that is we're already doing that in practice when we wrap to le- or to feeling because we're saying uh, we'll, we're bound to you uh, forever, bound to you in righteousness. Uh, I'm just going to read it. I ain't going to butcher this today. So this is what we say. We say, what do we say? I will betroth you to me. Mm, I will betroth you forever. And I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me with faithfulness, and you shall know Hashem. Mm. So yeah, so it's just a matter of time before all those things fall out. But we don't walk around now saying, no, we ain't married to Hashem. No, we don't do that. It's like, no, we love Hashem. We're married to Hashem. And when we get the opportunity to actualize that thing, let's let's go, you know, the Alam Haba type stuff. So same thing with your Judaism. Like, you know, you want to be Jewish and you know, you are Jewish and you know, you're going to be Jewish. So. Just uh, for what that's worth, just wanted to share that everything else is just working its way out, but it starts what's going on inside Shabbat 31A style. Because the entire Torah is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Which is why I wanted to go back to uh, what Yeshua taught us. I had my little tab there. And it went away. So, bring it back up. Leave it choking on 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So, and this is where he also says, by this, all men will know you are my Talmudim if you love one another. This is connected to our verse by Ecra 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any of your people. But love your neighbors, you love yourself. And again, who is my neighbor? We'll talk about that as we look at this passage of the uh, the Good Samaritan, because it's it, our neighbor is basically Hashem, ultimately, which is the image found in other human beings. So our neighbor, the one that we should be loving as ourself, is another human. Uh. Put that with, where are we trying to go here? 
of First Yokanon two seven. Beloved, I am not writing you a new commandment, but an old one which you have had from the beginning. This is or this command is the message you have heard. And he says, um, then and again, then again, I am also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you for the darkness is fading and the true light is already shining. If, if anyone claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, he is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother remains in the light. And there is no cause of stumbling in him, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, and he gets into little children, fathers, young men, children, and fathers, young men, because those are the different stages we progress to. But it's all about the way that we really abide in Hashem is through loving others. So, we have Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, who brings down, Why did Hillel say this is the entire Torah? Granted that it is the essence of all the mitzvot governing our behavior between man and man, the Torah also includes many mitzvot that are in the realm of between God and between man and God. In what way is the mitzvah to love your fellow as yourself the essence of mitzvot such as praying or ceasing work on the Shabbat? The explanation can be found in the answer to another question. How is it possible to love another as yourself? So as physical beings, oneself and one's fellow are indeed two distinct entities. As spiritual beings, however, they are ultimately one. For all souls are of a single essence, united in their source in Hashem. So, but if the soul that is the I and the body, the I as in I am, Okay, uh, it says, and the body, but is its tool and extension. One can recognize that the self and fellow are but two expressions of a singular essence. So that all that one desires for oneself, one equally desires of his fellow. Otherwise stated, the endeavor to love one's fellow as oneself is the endeavor to cultivate one's own spiritual identity. To see the soul and spirit as the true and ultimate reality and the body and the material as extraneous and subservient to it. This is the entire Torah. That's Rabbi Schneur and Zalman of Liadi. So in other words, one of the things that came down in uh, the wisdom of the Hebrew months was talking about the only time that unity is disrupted within the Jewish nation is only when it comes to materiality. Like our skin color, our jobs, our, you know, our possessions and things like that. Other than that, uh, we're, we're on the same page. Which goes to show, what's the priority on? Because if we are at odds with one another, we're focusing on physicality and materiality. And that means we're not loving our neighbors, we love ourselves. Because we don't love ourselves because of our physicalness. We love ourselves because of our spiritualness. We don't love Hashem because of his physicalness. We love Hashem because of his spiritualness. Because if you really think about it, we can't really see Hashem. But yet we say we love him. And we say we keep his commandments. But yet, he's like physically, you don't, you don't really see it. But as you're loving Hashem and keeping his commandments, loving your neighbors, you love yourself, you begin to see Hashem. So... This is something I highlighted because this is just kind of insane. This is going to be from the Lubavitcher Rebbe and Rabbi Tonka Truck. So, says three loaves or three loves: love of God, love of Torah, 
and love of one's fellow. These are all one. Here's your trinity, if you want to have a trinity. And again, they're all one. One cannot differentiate between them, for they are of a single essence. So you can't tell whether you're loving God or whether you're loving the Torah or whether you're loving your fellow. You're like, oh, I love I love the Torah. It's like, great. So you love this person over here. Yeah, that's the Torah. I mean, that's a person. I mean, that's a Shem. I mean, yeah, that's what that means. That's right. They're all of a single essence. And since they are of a single essence, each one embodies all three. So you want to talk about loving the Torah of a Shem? Did you know that your very neighbor is a Torah? And I love this too because Shimon Bauer of Sarshalom Tulsa, Shlita, uh, was also talking about this. And he said the, the treatment of the Torah scroll is phenomenal. We treat the Torah scroll like a human body. Literally, if the Torah is no longer able to be used, we bury it. To which I just like to add on, we also crown the Torah and follow the Torah as a nation follows its king. When we do our our Torah procession at Sar Shalom, it's just like we're celebrating the king. We're celebrating Hashem. We're also celebrating each other. So when we look at Yeshua and why Yeshua would say, even to the least of these you've done unto me. Okay, so now... Yeshua, love of God, love of Torah, love of one's fellow, it's all one. And that's beyond physicality. Our physical stuff is, is, is uh, it looks like separate entities, but it's the root of what that physicality contains. So yes, other people are Torah scrolls, and we should treat them accordingly. And here's what uh, Rabbi Trugman brings down. He says, The Bashem Tov taught that in order to help alleviate others' suffering or elevate them spiritually, one may need to descend to the level of those needing help in order to lift them, Slika, to lift them out of their present circumstances or levels of consciousness. He found scriptural support for this teaching and the Kohen Gadol's wearing only four simple white garments and again if you remember about the four four is the different encampments of the israelites so within the four you actually find the 12 tribes so you find everybody in these four simple garments on yom kippur which is represented by why we all wear white on yom kippur by the way but back to trugman though he says instead of his eight special garments by wearing the simple garments worn by ordinary priests the Kohen Gadol lowered himself to a level where he could relate to all those he hoped to find atonement for. Isn't it interesting that Yeshua lowered himself to a level that he hoped to find atonement for? And he sure did find atonement there. The ideas expressed in Pure Kavo 2.5 do not judge your fellow man until you have been in his position. As we discussed earlier, the importance of empathy also explains, at least on a superficial level, why Aharon had to undergo the humiliating experience of being partly responsible for the golden calf. Aharon was able to be the Kohen Gadol. He was able, who was able to be the Kohen Gadol. He needed to experience this sense of sin to some degree so that he would be able to truly relate to those who would come to the tabernacle to do teshuva. Yeah, that's right. He would be able to truly relate to those who would come to the tabernacle and do teshuva because he was in some sense, to a, uh, some degree, he was responsible for the sin of the golden calf. So it says the Baal Shem Tov made this concept of a central pillar to his educational philosophy. So part of the reason why we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves is so that we can lift others up. And when we lift others up, we lift ourselves up. Final drop for today, Baruch Hashem. Our sages have said, do not 
judge your fellow until you have stood in his place. Pure Kea vote 2-4. Since the only person in whose place you can truly stand is yourself, this means you are qualified to judge only yourself. Regarding yourself, you must condemn your moral and spiritual failings and be critical of your every achievement. Regarding your fellow, however, you must employ a double standard. Your love and esteem toward him must be amplified by every positive quality you see in him and should not be affected in the least by any seemingly negative things you might observe. Rabbi Schnur Zalman of Liadi. If a man making his accounts wants to see whether his totals agree, he makes a trial balance. In the same manner, a man who wants to establish whether the study of the law, the study of Torah in which he has engaged was truly performed in the spirit of devotion and sincerity, he should make a trial balance by determining the amount of love he bears for his fellow Jews. His observance of the commandment, you shall love your neighbors, you love yourself, is the test which will show him whether his study was of value. This is the fundamental principle principle of the law that is cited in the Torah Wellsprings or Wellsprings of Torah by Devash Hasadeh. So if you really want to know if you're in Hashem, if you're studying Torah and if you're a big Zadik and all that kind of stuff, uh, how are you, how are you loving your other fellow Jews? Cause that's your litmus test. May we not judge one another. May we be more scrutinous on ourselves than on other people. And may we amplify the positive traits in other people. Let's avenge the world and let's bring the final redemption. Baruch Abab Hashem Adonai Kili Shuateka Kiviti Hashem Hakadosh Baruchu. Please send Mashiach now. So what I wanted to do was actually go back to the the Mishle drop again about how you're even supposed to love and care for your enemies, which. It's kind of an interesting thought to have. So in Mishle 25, uh, verse 21, it was saying that uh, you're supposed to be kind to others, like friend and foe alike. And I was thinking about this story, the parable that Mashiach Yeshua brings down in chapter 10 of Luke. So I want to read that. Because the Samaritans, again, like back during the time we got exiled with Babylon, like the whole land just kind of got resettled because, you know, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, both gone. And, you know, Babylonians and all of our other exiles that followed, like, you know, Persia and Media and Greece, um, they thought it would be really cool just to kind of mix everything up. So... In this portion of Samaria that, uh, you know, as a part of Israel, this became kind of the the anti-temple group, the um, no really uh, oral Torah, really we want to do this other thing kind of group of people. They even set up a, a second holy place. Yeah, kind of like what the Northern Kingdom did. Basically, they were like, don't make Ali out of the temple, come here. So these people were like pretty much despised. And here you go with what Yeshua HaMashiach, the Torah itself brings down. It says, the Torah himself, Slika. It says, one day an expert in the law, an expert in the Torah, stood up to test him, teacher, which, by the way, is rabbi. And again, this is Luke 10, starting at 25. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which, you know, by the way, eternal life comes from the Torah. Which, by default, comes from Hashem. So I want to go to Shakarit on the Shabbat. <clears throat> because when we read from the Torah... We talk about this eternal life. 
the bracha that we say, we say, who has placed eternal life within us. So, this guy is asking the Mashiach, the Torah, you know, what must I do to attain eternal life? So, page 441, it's interesting because that's the Gematria of Truth. Uh, nice. Okay. The Torah of Truth, eternal life. The Torah of Truth refers to the written Torah. And eternal life is the oral Torah. The oral Torah is described as implanted within us because Jews constantly expand their Torah knowledge through their personal study and analysis. So that's from the Tor Orach Chaim 139. What I love about this is we, we've been given the written Torah. But for those who really engage into the oral Torah and really, you know, expand your personal study and analysis of it, that's where you find eternal life. When you really get into our sages, when you really connect back to, you know, the tradition that was handed down to Moshe, which was what Adam and Noah and Avraham and Shem and Yitzhak and Yaakov, Yosef, what they all talked about. You know, uh, these are the the backstories and these are the what does a sukkah look like? Why do we wrap to fill in? You know, uh, what is this talit? You know, and stuff like that. So these are very, very crucial points to to mention and bring up because when we're talking eternal life, it's it's not this whole like, do you believe in the Lord? You know, kind of thing. By the time you have eternal life, that's not even a question. So, just want to point that out for us. And it says, Yeshua says, in verse 26, he says, What is the written law? Or what is in the law? Yeshua replied, he says, How do you read it? So, that's interesting, because remember, the Torah has 70 faces. So, it's kind of like, so what interpretation are you going to go with? So, the guy answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Now, that's interesting because he adds with all your mind there, which, by the way, is Lev. And we just talked about the Lev of the Torah is Parsha Kedoshim. So he was basically saying, if you do the Shema, the greatest commandment, and you are all about Parsha Kedoshim, then, you know, that's it. And the guy adds on, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, which again comes from Kedoshim. So if you really look at what this gentleman is talking about, he's saying you got to love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Because we learn in, um, we learn from the Oral Torah that Devarim actually brings down that we're supposed to love Hashem with both of our inclinations, which are called hearts. So we do have two hearts, actually. So when he says, with all your strength and with all your mind, well, we already said, love the Lord with all your heart already. So now he adds on with all your mind. And that's really cool because that's really pointing out, okay, you have attained eternal life because you're already understanding that you take Devarim 6 and you put it with Vayikra 19. And here you have this being the whole Torah, which takes us back to Exodus chapter 20, which is the giving of the Torah. So when you really look at what this guy is asking, it's just kind of like, okay, this is a test. And so Messiah obviously passes the test because he's the written Torah. So, and the oral Torah, all of that. Okay, so it says, verse 28, you have answered correctly, Yeshua said, do this and you will live. And what's so cool about that is Mashiach Yeshua is like, yeah, you know the rest of uh, that chapter and um, Vayikra, let's see here, 19, was it 18.5? Yes, so you are to keep my statutes and my ordinances. The one who does them will live by them. 
I am Hashem. Because Mashiach is quoting that verse. He says, do this and you will live. And I want to go actually and see if uh, there's any more to pull out on that 18.5 verse. Because this is where the righteous will live by faith actually comes from. So we look here. Let me check out Hiskuni because, you know, kind of my favorite commentary. And live by them. The implication is that failing to perform the commandments will bring about those people's deaths, i.e. their souls will be wiped out. Their connection to Jewish nation will cease. This is spelled out more in chapter 29. Okay, that that, that escalated quickly. Let's uh, calm down a little bit and go with Rebenu Bakia. Or as we like to say in the hood, Rebenu Drapia. All right, so you will live by this. Let's see here. All right, so it says these words refer to the Mishpatim, which are the social laws mentioned in this chapter. It is these laws which ensure that man can function in a civilized manner and maintain his position on earth as the dominant species. We have confirmation of this concept in Mishle 29.4, where Shlomo writes, A king sustains the land by social justice. So do you realize that this passage that we're really discussing is super rich because we're talking about the most mundane, it seems, the most insignificant, it seems, of the Torah law, and that's like prime. How you are socially really determines your your latitude, if you really think about what this is saying. Because if you can if you can treat one another with compassion and tenderheartedness and care and concern and with you know, with both of your inclinations loving each other just like you love Hashem, because remember, loving your neighbor is loving the Torah, which is loving Hashem. So if you say you love one and not the other, then that's a problem. So Many people want to say that they they love their fellow man and they don't love the Torah, which is like, well, you don't love your fellow man because if you don't have the Torah, you can't love your fellow man. But again, that's that's last podcast, but this is a new one now. But the point being here is that the very these very laws actually set up mankind to be uh, rulers and dominions over rulers and uh the have dominion over creation. So I just think that's very interesting. And I want to go ahead and go to that Mishle verse. So let's see here. 29.4. says, Through justice... Mishpat. And you know what's interesting about this? Parshat Mishpatim falls out between um, Parshat Yitro, which is where we get the giving of the Torah, and then right after that we go into Parshat Teruma. So it's like we're going to get the Torah, and then we're going to become a temple. But in in the, the progression of that, in order for us to get from receiving the Torah to get to the temple, because that was the original plan, by the way, once we received the Torah at Mount Sinai, we were supposed to go ahead and go into the land of Israel and start the Messianic era and build a temple and appoint a king, which would have been Hashem. But uh, that didn't happen because we had some issues like, you know, a golden calf or something. But the point is, is for us to go from where we were supposed to be with being redeemed and set free then entering into the promised land the the middle point was how well we're going to treat each other that we're going to be kings and priests that serve one another just like we do at the Pesach Seder that's why the Seder is so important because if we can't sit down together at the same table there is no way that you or I or anybody else could claim to be Am Yisrael Chai and lead the world in righteousness and glorifying God and, and really bringing out the glory of God in creation. 
So we first got to learn how to be the least of these. First got to learn how to be a servant. And, you know, take your crown off, you know, wrap a towel around your waist and wash somebody's feet kind of thing. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. And this is what the Mishpah team actually teach us, which is why Parsha Kedoshim is so important. And it's beautiful that it's connected with Akare Mot because you learn about your holiness and your atonement and all of that. And then you go into social justice. And so this is all eternal life stuff right here. You know, you have eternal life when you're compassionate and you care for people. If you're not compassionate and you don't care for people, then you know, you don't have eternal life because that nullifies and negates the very study that you claim to engross yourself in because eternal life comes with accepting the Torah. It comes with worshiping and serving Hashem. It comes with conversion. It comes with teshuva. Like because you're entering into those things, eternal life is a byproduct of that. So in verse four over here, it says through justice, a king establishes the land or a land, but man grafts tears or but a man of graft tears it down. The plain meaning of this verse is the king must establish a system of law and order and adhere to it. And I always think about believing in JC. What what did he establish? Because what law and order is there when you just tell people to love each other and and do whatever you want? I mean, that sounds like anarchy because it's like, no, 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 I, I robbed this bank, but I did it in love. No, 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 I just, uh, I just stole from this person over here, but I did it in love. Which, again, remembering love, ahava, is all about giving. And namely, giving the mitzvot. This is why the, the, the Torah is love. Because you learn how these dynamics and all of these, uh, these connections work within creation, within mankind, within our service to Hashem. Like we learn all that through Torah. So anyway, Mashiach Yeshua, though, he said, go out and make Talmudim. So go make Talmudim of what? Of being immersed into Shuva and Tefillah and Zadaka. Shuva prayer and charity. Just like what it says in, um, I believe it's Parsha Vayera, where it says Abraham will command his children after him. He's going to teach his children uh, kindness and charity. So there's that. And it says, but if a man of graft who seeks to enrich himself dishonestly, he will allow injustice to proliferate. Rashi derives the, the word terumot from Ram, which means high. And it says, if the king is haughty and issues rash decisions without deliberation, he will destroy his society. A king earns the love and loyalty of his subjects if he rules with fairness. But if he oppresses the people with terumot, onerous taxes, he will lose their allegiance. That's from Meri. And it says the sages in Ketubot 105b derive from this verse that if a judge is like a king who has no need for money and is thus not tempted by bribery, he will succeed in upholding the world by ruling justly. This is why it's so important for us to be suffering with Mashiach right now. Really um, extracting all of the divine sparks from this exile because when we are brought into the final redemption and begin to rule and reign with King Mashiach and uh, become judge of the world and of creation, even angels, which is ridiculous. If we don't understand this right now, not needing money, 
not being tipped in by bribery. That's the only way we're going to succeed. It says, if he, however, casts about for bribes, like a Cohen seeking tides, which is Taruma, he will destroy the world. Homiletically Torah scholars who are called kings, Gitin 62a, should work to establish justice among people. When they do so, they establish and uphold society. But if a Torah scholar regards himself as an Ish Terumot, an elevated person who is concerned only with his personal growth and as a result does not try to improve the community, he allows the society to be torn down. And that is from, of course, Toldot Yaakov Yosef. So social justice is kind of like the thing that we need to really key in on which is why this whole samaritan drop is amazing so the guy continues on in verse 29 of luke chapter 10 he says but wanting to justify himself he asked yeshua who is my neighbor yeshua took up this question and said a man was going down from Jerusalem to jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a Cohen was going down the same road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Yikes. The Cohen in Parsha and more, we learn about the significance of what the Cohen is supposed to do if they see a dead body. And again, this person wasn't dead, but it looked like they were. And so this is what's called a met mitzvah, uh, caring for a dead person, a corpse. And so you're to ensure that it gets buried with the proper treatment and all that. Well, that mainly is upon the Cohen. So strike one, Cohen didn't do it. So two, when a Levite came to the spot, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Okay, Levite definitely should have done that. Uh, and then it says, verse 33, when a Samaritan on a journey, like this dude is already exhausted, came up on him, he looked at him and had compassion. Again, these are like people who are considered to be not cool because, you know, they got their own province, they got their own temple and their own holy mountain and stuff. But yet this guy was like, no, wait, stopped what he was doing, looked at this person and had compassion. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. I mean, come on, that's lavish. It says, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. So. He did like what, like if he, he was like, that's me right there. That's me laying on the road dead. What would I do for myself? It's like, oh yeah, I should probably go see if he's okay. Go bandage him up. Okay. Put him on my own animal because my animal is his animal. Brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day paid the wage for the rent, you know, and then gave them to the innkeeper. And it says, take care of him. He said, and on my return, I will repay you for any additional expense. So it's like, let me go ahead and, and foot the bill for whatever he needs. If there's any additional stuff, you know, I got you. So that's ridiculous. Yeshua says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The one who showed him mercy, replied the expert in the Torah, then Yeshua told him, go and do likewise. And that really connects back to that Shabbat 31a about Hillel uh, teaching about the Torah. Go and do unto others that, you know, what you want done unto you. And so you see that this whole idea of really lowering yourself and pouring yourself out for people, having mercy, having compassion. You know, this Samaritan was looking at a person going down from jerusalem the samaritans are like man y'all need to be going to jerusalem y'all need to go over here so 
this guy broke completely out of bounds was like, no, that's a person. Like we may have differences and all that, but that person's in trouble right now. So sanctity of life and social justice and really doing good to those who you could care less about and really having a heart and compassion. Cause if you really think about it, Hashem did that for each and every one of us. Cause for those of us who are, uh, understanding repentance, understanding how sinful we actually are, we can actually see that Hashem was actually like this Samaritan for us. Like Hashem should have had no business picking us up, but he did. He is concerned about us. He's compassionate about us. And all he asks is that we model that for one another, because the only way to ensure the sustenance of the world and the sustenance of creation is through how we treat and care for our fellow man. So may it be that we are all filled with compassion and look at each other with compassion. The same eyes that Mashiach would look at us with. Seeing us in agony, seeing us in pain and seeing us in suffering and ready and willing to apply the healing. May we do that for one another. May we continue to press and strain towards the high mark and be Kedoshim who are people who are raised up from death into life through repentance and through just losing our own lives for the sake of the Torah, for the sake of the voice of Hashem today, hearing his voice. And may it soon be that we're revealing the final redemption speedily in our days, asking Hashem, please send Mashiach now. <laughs>